If you got your Bible, turn with me to the book of Joshua. I feel like I've already lost my voice, and that's how church should be, huh? I was seeing people come down and cry, and I thought, that's, this is what the church is. It's a hospital. And sometimes we get sick, and God has to restore our soul, and he's a good shepherd. And let me say this. I got calls and texts and uh, cards in the mail um, checking on me. That flu is no joke, but, uh, and I work with the general public every day, so I was hand sanitizer. It just didn't work. So, uh, but it's, it's good to have Andrew and Anna here. They're not traveling today. Um, that, that's, it's, uh, God's doing some stuff in their lives and he's opening up doors for them and I can't wait. I, I know, I can't imagine how excited they are. Um, if you got your Bibles, turn with the book of Joshua chapter nine. I don't usually read a whole lot because it, it just gets kind of jumbled up, but I, I want to read 14 verses to tell you a story and I, I want us to stick with it. It says, when all the kings west of the Jordan <clears throat> in the, in the hill country in the low country and along all the coasts of the Mediterranean Sea towards Lebanon, the Hittite, the Amorite, the Canaanite, the Perizzite, the Hivite, and the Jebusite kings heard this. Um, they gathered together as one to wage war against Joshua and Israel. But when the inhabitants of Gibeon, and Gibeon's important, heard what Joshua had done to Jericho and Ai, they acted craftily and took old sacks on their donkeys and old wineskins, torn and mended, old and uh, patched sandals on their feet and the garments on themselves. And they, the bread of their provision was dry and crumbly. They went to Joshua at Gilgal um, settlement and said to him and the children of Israel, we have come from a distant land. Now make a pact with us. And then the children of Israel said to the Hivites, Perhaps you live among us, so how could we make a pact with you? Yet they said to Joshua, We are your slaves. Joshua said to them, Who are you and where do you come from? They said to him, We, your slaves, have come from a very distant land because of the name of the Lord your God. I want you to see that. Why did we come? Because of the name of the Lord your God. For we heard news of him and all he did in Egypt and all that he did to the Amorite kings in the side of Jordan, uh, king of Sion and Heshbon and the king of Og of Bashan. I mean, if you needed baby names, Chris and Dell, there's you, a bunch of them right there. You should call them Og. Um, so our elders and the inhabitants, all the country said to us, take food, food provisions from the journey and go meet them. Say to them, we are your slaves, so now make a pact with us. This bread of ours was hot as we took it from the homes the day we left to come, but now see it is dry. Two more verses. These wineskins that were filled new, but you see they're ripped open. These clothes and sandals worn out due to the very long journey. And this is my text, 14. So the men examined some of the food for visions, but they did not ask the Lord about it. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. We ask you for your anointing. God, we thank you for what we felt today of your presence. We thank you for coming in and meeting with us. God, I pray that you keep me, God, as just a stick in your hand, that you do the impossible, that the miracles are all about you, Lord. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Put verse 14 back up. It says, but the, they did not ask the Lord about it. So as I was reading and studying this last week, um, 
I was, you can put that down. This statement, when I read it, in the, just jumped off the page at me. And it says, so what happens in our lives is that sometimes as Joshua, he is coming off a huge battle at Ai. One that, by the way, he lost the first round. And he got the victory the second time. And he's on the, the very apex of the victory. And he's sitting there. And these people come in his life. And see what happens to all of us sometimes is we begin to win the victory. We begin to overcome. We begin to live for the Lord. And there's something inside of us that thinks that we got it. We got it. I got this. Listen, this week, God help us see in our own lives. Don't look at anybody else. How many decisions did we make and we didn't even ask the Lord about it? Amen. Well, man, we had a great service Sunday morning. I cried. I told Bethany, I looked at her when she sat down beside me. I said, girl, you look like a hot mess today. That's, we had church. And she started laughing and we were kidding around. And, you know, I read scriptures about the beauty of the Lord. I think the beauty of the Lord is when mascara is pouring off people and it's just war paint. And it looks, that's the beauty of the Lord. You had church, you know. You know you're in a Pentecostal church when the women coming out have to reapply everything. And so, but after, after those circumstances and after those victories and after all these great services, we leave. Listen, the devil tempted Jesus in the temple, one of the places he took him to was the church. He will let you shout, jump up and down, spin around, cry, pray for people, feel good. And he will wait for you right outside that door. And he will let you make any decision you want to. And then you'll be like, God, why am I in this place? And he'll say, because verse 14 says, and you did not ask the Lord about it. Why? Why did he make the decision? Why do we make decisions? He based it off what he saw. It says the men examined, verse 12 or 13, the men examined and said, oh, this bread is old. Oh, these wineskins have been used. Oh, their clothes are old. Listen to me. You cannot make decisions in this world based on what you see or what you think is the best move. Everybody in here will quote, oh God, let the peace that passes understanding rule and reign in my heart in Christ Jesus. That is not the whole verse. With prayer and supplications, let your requests be made known to God. Then the peace. Once you've asked him, God, what's your direction? What's the, what should I do in this situation? What should I do here? How should I spend my money? going to sit right there for a while. See, I heard a preacher preaching the other day, and listen, you know this pulpit, we're not after your money. We're here to protect you, and we want to see you blessed and be in good health, even as your soul prospers. Right? But God has given you the money that you make. He's given you the ability, because there's people, listen, me and Bethany got some terrible news this week. And I was probably as low as I could be. And I was, I was just to the point where I was done. I don't know if you've ever been there. I wasn't sad. I wasn't mad. I was done. And this old man walked up to my window. And he made a payment. 
And he went to walk away and he came back and he said, the Lord's good. He said, I woke up this morning and my feet worked. He said, I walked in the kitchen and my mind worked. He said, God has given us so much we're not even thankful for. And I just began to, I just lost it. And he smiled because he knew that God had sent him to me. And I thought, man, he's given us so much. Then he said this. He said, I would not die for someone else. He said, he died for us that hated him. And he said, how unworthy are we? How many times do we not just give him praise? See, God knows how to discipline you and love on you at the same time. It's a weird ability that he has. I was so, I felt so rebuked, but at the same time, I felt so overwhelmed with his love. I thought, yeah, so when we get money, he's given you the ability. He expects you to be a good steward of your money. He expects that you take care of it and protect it and help people. And not just ravage it. How many times have we bought things? And we did not ask the Lord about it. Well, I don't really have any money to help anybody. Yeah, I get it. It's not God's fault. Go look around. Close your Amazon account. Unbecome a Prime member. I think Bethany and me had a conversation a while back where she told me I don't want to see another Amazon box on our door. So I, was, I thought I either got to get home quicker or I got to shut this thing down. <laughs> I got to shut this thing down. But I mean, that's the society we live in. 11 o'clock last night, she was like, you know, we don't really uh, take enough vitamin D. We don't get enough sunshine. I, I just whipped on Amazon and tomorrow at five o'clock, vitamin D is going to be on my doorstep. I don't have to go anywhere. I paid $3 extra to have it next day. It's going to be there tomorrow. That's where we live. And we make decisions about things that we just think, well, that's just common. That's just what you do. And listen, I'm not talking about buying vitamins. Y'all know what I'm talking about. We don't ask God. We don't even ask him. What about? Listen, we might, we'll ask him when we're in trouble. We ain't got no problem when we're in trouble asking God, what's wrong? How do I get out of this? What do I do? But let everything be going good like it was for Joshua. If he would have waited one day, you listen to me. If Joshua would have waited one day, it was exposed that they were right there in the people that God wanted to destroy and give them blessings. Listen to me. Some of you, if you would wait on God one day, there is so much blessing that you would get in your life and the benefit from God. If you would just wait. Don't even get me started on dating. I've got the t-shirt, the scars, the battle wounds. Dad's laughing. Just can't wait one day. Because why? We look at it with our eyes. She's pretty. She smells good. We even throw that she loves God. Listen, you don't know if anybody loves God at all. In, in the South, everybody loves God. You don't know who loves God. 
You've got to stick around a minute to figure out who loves God. We make those decisions. And everybody's like, yeah, those teenagers, man, those college, they need to wait. Yeah, but what about you in your everyday life? Is God a part? We have been given the special privilege through the blood of Jesus. He didn't just save us and say, okay, figure it out. We'll see you in heaven. I hope you make it. Now, a lot of us say, well, there's no way that's the way it is. We live like that. We live exactly like that. Thank you for saving me. I got it from here. You know, they have these cheesy signs. If God's your co-pilot, swap places or whatever. And it's cheesy, but it's true. We are driving and doing and everything we want to do. And then we're saying, God, will you bless my fleshly desires? I hope y'all aren't this dead when Caleb's here tonight. He's going to have a fit. And then we say, what in the world? I'll tell you the source of the problem. 99% of the time is we do not believe he loves us. And that means when he says no about something, we don't want to hear no because we don't really believe that the no that we need. You listen to me. I feel this. When he says no, it's for your good. When he says no, he is not evil. There's no darkness. There's no shadow of turning. When he says no, he sees it all. And his no is a blessing. It's never anything but good when he says no. Oh, I don't really want to ask God. Because, you know, he might say no. You want him to say no. You know what the scariest place, Anna was asking me about it the other day. She was reading in like the dark years where God didn't speak for I think it was 400 years before Christ. That is the scariest place a person can be with God is when he's tried to talk to you and tried to talk to you and tried to talk to you, and tried to lead you, and tried to guide you. And he finally says, okay. Do it. Well, God doesn't do that way. <laughs> really. You better look at America. I get, I, I'm telling you, fear takes over my heart when I see when the generation that's about to go to the next level in glory, and the one coming up, there is no prophetic voice. Amen. David Wilkerson has not been replaced. That's a scary place for America when there's not pulpits warning of the judgment of God that will come and on disobedience. My prayer today was, God, please don't ever leave me alone. Even when I say, leave me alone. I know y'all don't tell him that, but we just ignore him. It's the same thing. You just told him, leave you alone. I'm going to do my thing. Right? Proverbs 3, 5. Everybody in here is going to quote this. You probably got a magnet on your refrigerator. It is one thing to know it. It's another thing to get it. And live it and understand it. Trust in the Lord. There's your problem. He's not a man. He can't, you can be trusted. He's not going to change. He's not going to shift. He's all of a sudden not going to be mad or surprised. Well, man, I didn't know they had that sin in their life. Boom, wrath. That is not God. 
He knew it the day some of you got blessed today. He knows all about you and every failure and shortcoming you want to call it. You know, it's sin in other people's shortcomings in us. He knows all about it. And he's got a plan to take you if you'll obey him and listen. And he'll perfect you until the day of the Lord. That's scripture. Trust him. You have to trust him. Not with some of your heart, but with all of your heart. That's why this whole doctrine of you're not going to go through anything, it doesn't work. Most of us don't learn to trust him until everything doesn't work. See, I, I couldn't know that I could trust him until the uppercuts started coming. And the sucker punches. And the hard times. Then Job could say, though he slay me, I'll trust him. I trust that he's good. I know that he's good, and I trust him. The plan doesn't make sense, Lord. I've got this puzzle piece, and this puzzle piece does not seem to fit what I thought my life would be. Ever been there? I'm going to trust you that this puzzle piece has a place, and I'm not real sure where it is yet, but I'm going to keep walking by faith and not like Joshua and them by sight. I don't care what it looks like. This puzzle piece is going to play. I'm just holding on till you show me a little bit more of the puzzle and I'll put it down. We hate that. Of course we all trust the Lord with all of our heart when everything we're doing, he's just blessing and increase and flowing and everything's going great. That's not trust. And then here's the key. You can't figure it out. It doesn't make sense. Joseph is in a pit. He has a dream from God. You're going to be blessed. Your mother and father are going to bow down to you. Now, Americans don't reverence their parents the way they should. Back then, there was a reverence. And, and for the thought of your mother or father bowing to you, And all of a sudden, he's in this pit. And he's been sold into slavery. We know the end of the story. We're like, oh, this will work out. He didn't. And he never lost it. He kept his puzzle piece in his hand and said, this is what God has spoken to me. I don't understand how this is going to get me to there. Do you see he had to go into slavery to get there? Some of you are in stuff right now, and the last thing God spoke to you, you're like, this puzzle piece doesn't really fit right now. I've had people say I'm a hypochondriac and all this stuff, and I got so past that trash, I I got done with it. I don't care what people think. I used to say, well, I'll take you and show you all the doctor blood results. I ain't showing you nothing. I'm going to serve him. I've read about so many preachers that got attacked in their body and stayed down for time. Evan Roberts, one of the greatest revivalists, went months without being able to go to church. And then he'd get better for a little while and have months where he couldn't go to church because the enemy attacked him. So you're laying there sick and you hear from everybody that church is going good or you've got this family situation that's twirling and nobody knows about it and you've got this promise from God and you're looking at your situation and you're looking at the puzzle piece to your life and you're saying, this does not match. 
You ever looked at God and been like, I think you gave me the wrong puzzle. <laughs> this random piece got put in the box and this was cruel because it doesn't fit. If you're going to, some of you right now, you listen to me. You're learning not to lean on your understanding. Joseph could have never figured it out. But he held his puzzle piece because he trusted in the Lord. Now look at this. Go to verse 6. In all your ways, in all, 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 all. My prayer this whole week is God gave me this. God, show me everywhere I don't acknowledge you in every way. See, because acknowledging him in 70% is still not all. See, we can be deceived by lukewarm. We can say that, we, well, I acknowledge him in most things. I wish, uh, I'm going to go easy right there. L listen to me. Look, and it says he will. Now faith has to overcome where your puzzle doesn't make sense. If you'll acknowledge him, he's not going to leave you out on an island wondering, what's the next step, Lord? Amen? He's going to talk to you. God, I don't know what my next step is. You know, sometimes I, I miss the days when people in church used to say to come up here to, and say, God, I want to be used. I mean, now, I want to be used in my career, yes, but I want to be used. You don't have to have a toddler to lay hands on the sick and they recover. You know, my mom didn't believe in people falling out under the power. She came from the Baptist church. She saw these people dancing and hooting and doing what Nana was doing today, running. And I thought, dear God, when that generation's gone, where are the women that'll run? I'll tell you where they are. They're wrapped up in carnality. And they're wrapped up in pride. And the cares of this world. You can't run the aisles and have the cares of this world all over you. I'm going to skip that. Go to verse 7, the last one. Do not be wise in your own eyes. And there's the problem. We stop it at verse 6, but we don't read the next one. You have to ask him, what's the direction? You say, you're driving this home. Yeah, but I'm seeing so many people fail spiritually. And, not make, and we don't have the power in our services because we're not asking him. I was talking to Papa today. He had a vision one time of a blonde girl that I was going to marry. And there she was. He's had a vision of me holding a little hand of a little blonde-headed boy. And it'll happen. And used to my prayer was, God, I pray that you will bless him, but I want him to be a super athlete. I want him to get the height of my brother-in-law, and I want him to get the meanness of me. And I was just telling God, I want him to be a super linebacker. And this last little while, all I've prayed is, God, I want him to be a Samuel. I want him to turn the hearts. I don't care about ball, God. I don't care if he's successful in sports. All I want him to be successful in is you. And I want him to get back the hearts of America back to their father. Amen? It'll, what we desire is what we do. It kind of showed me. God rebuked me. Let me tell you something else he rebuked me about today. It was really fun. As we're standing here, I look around like I always do, and I get very angry at empty pews. 
And I begin to think about what we could do to fill the pews. Just to be honest with you, that's my normal thought pattern. I have to push that out of the way and try to worship for a little while. But when I get here, that's usually what I go through. I look around and think about what we can do and what we're not doing to fill these pews up because these pews represent people that are going to heaven or hell. Okay? And the Lord spoke to me and said, I add to the church daily as I see. While I'm standing there, the scripture in Acts, he adds to the church. It's not, listen, it's not a decision or anything I can figure out. I can't lean to my own understanding. If we're going to grow this, and I got a peace that came over me that he's about to add to the church. And you know what's awesome? We didn't sit in some room and come up with a plan. Now listen, we got to pray and we got to ask and we got a desire to see souls saved. But when they start coming in one at a time and popping in, we can't ever say it was our intellect or our ability. It was always been him. It'll always be him. And he's going to add to this church. You watch what I'm telling you. So maybe sometime in our own eyes, we got to tell ourselves, I don't have the answer here. And listen, all you men, you listen to me. We want to have the answer. I learned a long time ago when Bethany starts to complain to me about things in her life and problems, she does not want me to fix them. She just wants me to listen. Here I am trying to fix them and move them. And she's frustrated because we're guys and we hear problems and we want to fix them. I learned, hey, she don't want me to fix them. She just wants to tell me she had a bad day at work. She don't need, I, well, that boss of yours needs to do this, and if they would do this, and they would, I start fixing it, running through. I know none of y'all do that. And I realized, you know, she really just wants me to sit there, and if I do it right, I can keep one eye on the TV. <laughs> and she can just talk to me in every pause. Uh-huh, that sounds good. Every guy in here is like, you're throwing the code out of the door. You're violating the code, the bro code. Now, listen, it's, it's, let me say this. And I know we've been laughing today. Um, Proverbs 14, 12. There is a way that seems right to you, but the end of it's death. You, you, listen, last night I got alone with the Lord. And I didn't have this in, in my scriptures. And the Lord gave me this. Some of you need to hear me today. We're laughing and his presence is here and there's joy, fullness in his presence. But you hear what I'm telling you. God didn't just give me this sermon. I'm telling you, he wanted me to warn all of us that there are decisions that you can make that you cannot rebound from. I know you hear these, oh, well, God can always do it and God can always overcome it. Yeah, but how come David lost so many men after his sin? God forgave him? He didn't ask God where he should have been. Right? You listen to me. I've seen people yoke themselves up with friends, and they didn't even think one time to ask God how they felt about the person. And they yoke themselves up with that friend, and all that friend does is dump hell into their spirit. And the next thing they know, they're not excited about church. They're not excited about God because all they hear is that negative garbage. And they've yoked themselves up with somebody that loves the world more than they love God. You be careful who you let in your life. Because you'll make a decision that seems right to you, and your eyes will enjoy it. And I'm telling you, it'll cost you your soul. 
When you're a believer, just everybody doesn't work in your life. Well, man, that sounds like, yeah, it says mark those that cause division and have no fellowship with them. That's scripture in the New Testament. I didn't say it. Don't hate them as enemies. Actually, admonish them as brothers, but you cannot walk with them. I love you, but I can't walk with you. Yeah, right there, buddy, it gets weird for everybody, including the preacher. See, you start dealing with our lives. Well, you know, there ain't really nothing wrong with them. They say they're a Christian, you know, they... You better be careful. You know, I've said it since I heard it when I was 19. Show me your three closest friends and I'll show you your future. I've seen how true that is. You look at who you let close to you. It's your future. Amen? Last thing I want to show you. I think it's 1 Samuel 23, JT. I'll check. Then... It says, then they told David, listen, the Philistines are fighting against Keilah, and they are looting the threshing floors. Therefore, David, look at this, inquired of the Lord, saying, shall I go and attack the Philistines? And the Lord spoke back. He loves us. He's not going to leave David confused. He's not going to leave you confused. He says, go and attack the Philistines. But keep reading. This is, I love this, and we'll close. The men of David said to him, time out, (laughs) time out. Uh, David, I don't know if you know this or not, but we're 600 and we're living in the fields and we really don't have armor and the people that are, we're fighting are going to have a, a walled city and armor. Time out. Like, we're with you. Kind of. There's going to be times in your life where you ask God about a situation and he's going to tell you to do something and you're going to say, time time out. Your friends are going to say, time out. Your people that support you are going to say, I don't know if that's God. See, it might not be the big battle you're thinking that's of the flesh, it's of the spirit. It might be where he tells you, hey, You know that person has a problem with you. Go tell them you love them. Ooh, time out. Time time out. Because you know that could just stir up and your friends say, I don't know if you should even go mess with that. That might be unwise. That might be this. Whoa, that sounds bad. If God told you to do it, you better do it. Because that's a battle that we don't talk about enough is those little offenses. They could be torn down so easy if people were talking to the Lord about what they should do. I found out if you look at somebody and say, hey, I totally missed it there. Had all this going on in my life, and I, I, I was wrong. Wow. You have to say that. I was wrong. It was all me. You think, well, they didn't this, 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 this. You know, sometimes it's not really for wrong or right. It's how we react. That's in the school I'm in right now. Whether it's right or wrong, how I react. And if I react wrong, I'm just as guilty. 
See how quiet it is in this Presbyterian church? When you start talking about people's offenses, oh, I thought your decisions were like, yeah, big things like money. Don't go buy sports cars. No, I'm talking about your everyday life. So here's what David does, 24, and we'll close. Then David again inquired of the Lord. Listen to me. It is okay for you to ask God about something more than once. I kind of grew up around some people that almost convinced me that it's almost not faith to ask God. God will speak to you. God will confirm to you. You can put that down. 1 John 4, 1. You can try the Spirit to see if it's of God. Because sometimes you can think something's God, but you got to do what Joshua did. you got to sit for a second and see if it's not the devil. And he will speak to you the second time. This might not mean much to you, but I love this. God is ready. He's not scared. He don't get mad. If you've got to say, okay, God, I'm not really sure that this is what you're telling me to do. Will you tell me again? Yes, I'll tell you again. Go. He told him, go. David went. They smote them all. They killed them all. They took all their profit and their spoil. Now, he, listen to me. David was in the worst position he could be in he was hiding. He was running from a king. He was in, people were saying that, oh, he must have sinned. He's in a bad spot. Some of you today can be in a bad spot spiritually. He'll talk to you still. If you'll turn back to your father, he's a good father. If you'll turn back to him and say, God, I need to hear from you again. I need to hear the direction. I need to hear what you're saying. And then there's Joshua, who's on the apex of the victory, and he didn't ask. And there's David, who's in the worst place ever. It's not even 12 o'clock. I told you you're going to get your roast beef and everything you wanted. But if we'll leave here today, and we'll begin to ask God, God, what do you want? What do you think about this? What do you think about that post I posted? What do you think about that tweet? What do you think about me doing? Listen, I'll say this last thing. I'll never forget this. He came out of a time of prayer when God sent us here like I've never seen. God blessed him so much it spilled over on me. And we would lay up here and we would lay up here and we would seek him. And one Sunday, he was preaching on the Ten Commandments. And it says, love your God, Lord God with all your heart. So monastery. And he said, how do we know if we love you, God, the most? And the Lord spoke to him. Now, if you believe that God speaks to him, you trust me, he does. I lived with him for a long time. He'd tell me things God told him. I'd be like, there ain't no way that happened. And we'll just see what happens. And it'll happen. I'm going to be like, well, shows what I know. But God spoke to him and said, tell them whatever they look forward to most on the weekend is what they love. That's their God. Don't we just make plans on the weekend and we don't even ask God about it? I'm going to sit here. It's okay. We plan out our whole weekend. When I started doing this this week, you know what the Lord told me? When I started saying, what, you know, show me. Show me where I'm not asking you. Now get ready. 
I'm going to tell you the truth. A lot of preachers tell you you don't supposed to bear your soul to your congregation all the time. You listen, I don't care. I grew up with a youth pastor I thought was perfect, and I thought I could never live up to it. I'm not perfect. If I, as a minister, I'm nowhere close. He spoke to me and said, when's the last time you called Brother Davis? When's the last time you called Brother Jim? When's the last time you went to see Jim Cantor, who you love? I, love, I stayed at Brother Davis's house when I was five, all the way up. No, no. I want your weekends, is what he told me. I want you to start going to see these men. And you'll find out your weekend will be so much better. So if he's telling that to me, what would this church look like if every time somebody was sick or missed, their weekend was designated for the Lord and his time? So when you come up here or you sit in your thing and you ask God to show you what you're not asking, be ready because he's going to talk to you about your weekend. And you justified. Lean to your own understanding what I do. Well, I got to meet with, you know, we got a lot of couples here. I got to try to invest my time and my life in them. I love them. I want to be with them. And, and God didn't say anything about any of that. And I'm going to keep doing that as he leads. But he said, hey, true religion is visiting the widows and the orphans. True religion. Isn't it funny how the devil's twisted that word in the church now? People don't say, well, we don't want religion. Well, the Bible actually says pure religion. Don't get twisted up on weird manly concepts. There's real religion. It's true. And it's visiting. And it's caring you know how much it was that I've been laying on my back with that flu and I opened the mailbox and I had cards from people that took their time and wrote that to me? Do you know how much that meant to me? How special those cards were that they were praying and they were thinking about me? And I was like, no, that's, that's the kind of decisions you want. You want me to use my life and my decisions. I want to ask you what to do. He'll start telling you things to do. And they won't take that much time. It didn't take anybody five minutes to write a card and stick it in the mail. Amen? Listen, we have this new system. It's amazing. You don't even have to put a stamp on it. It's called a text. Woke up today, praying for you. Know you're going through something. Want you to know you're not alone. That, that Same as a card. Maybe not to everybody, so you got to keep writing cards. But that, that's just as good as a card, and it didn't cost 37 cents. Or it might be $50 now. No, tell them the postal service. These guys. The government gets a hold of something, and you'll see what happens. But let's ask him again. Let's ask him what every decision what do you want with my weekend? What do you want me to do during the week? Amen. You know, when I see, I deal with young people all the time in young college and career. You know, when I see the biggest mistake they make, you can say, well, who they're dating, all that. No, no, no. It's their inability to listen to God when he says after work, go home, rest. And they go and they stay out too late and they go into work and they're tired and they're like, I don't know why the devil's beating my brains out. It's because you are mentally dead. You haven't rested your body and you can't fight him. 
And it's hard. Nobody wants to be alone. We got to do everything all the time. I've been there, done that, wrote the book. That's why people, God will be moving in the service and you'll see some people and you'll be like, I didn't really get anything out of it. Yeah, you went to bed at two o'clock because you were playing your video games and you woke up at 6.30 to come to church. Nobody fills God with four hours of sleep. Your human nature. See how this works? This ain't some deep concept. This is right here in our lap. Everybody stand with me. 